Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, cranberries. There are precisely two days a year we eat cranberries, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're right in between those holidays. So let's get the scoop on cranberries. Leo Kakunas, an owner-grower on Cape Cod who runs Cranberry Bog Tours, is here to talk about the little red fruit that sauces our tables this season. Plus, show descriptions. You sent us log lines that try to sum up this podcast. Good luck on making 2 plus 2 equal 11. I'm Adam Felber, the man who every week tries to get the conversational juice out of the topical berries we set on the podcast table. And now, please welcome the woman who turns those topical berries into an ocean spray of tartness that never gets bogged down much. Paula Poundstone! Hey, you guys. Welcome, Paula. Uh, um, Well, thank you so much. Uh, Hey, Adam, and thanks to tonight's house band, Raymond Horton from Floyd Knobs, Indiana, on euphonium, bass trombone, and tuba. Hey, we had a great time on our Zoom party with Stephanie Lundgren, who was the winner of our vocabulary contest, I don't know, a few weeks back. That's right. And so we get together with Stephanie and, and we set up to 100 of her friends. And, you know, we set that as an outside limit, not thinking that there'd be that many friends. But it turned out that um, Stephanie's involved in the Portland uh, choir scene in Portland, Oregon. So she had a lot of friends there. Yeah. Not only that, she, she's in, I think she was in more than one choir. I've forgotten. Like the various friends of hers that I talked to on the Zoom screen, they all, I would say, well, how do you know Stephanie? And they would say, well, you know, uh, we sang in the, you know, in the uh, Portland uh, women's choir. And then, uh, and then also in the Portland's doubles choir. And then in the choir choir. Yeah. There were a lot of choirs. <laughs> um, yeah. Apparently I, the, the, the story at root of was that Stephanie had been in the choir uh, and the choir that she'd been in and met most of those people had broke up. You know what? I just had a really brilliant idea. There should be a reality show about a choir. Isn't that O-M-G. a good idea? OMG. It's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. And, and they all have to live in a house together? 
No, they don't have to. No, I don't think they and have they, to. And, and, and they wear they all wear bikinis most of the time, and 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 speedos. No, I just think that there will be. And they a have lot. to give each other a rose. Okay, no, no. I think that there's going to be a lot of drama in the world of choir. You know, uh, you know, someone singing off key or something, and then everyone uh, shunning them, that sort of thing. Um, you know, yeah. Adam, I listen to some other podcasts. I hate to cheat on us like that, but I do. Um, one that I listen uh, to wh- is- What is it, Paula? Am I not attractive to you anymore? <laughs> no, you are. I swear it. You do are. I not give you what you need in the podcast? Um, but here's the thing. So I listened to a really good podcast that's uh, Al Hunt and James Carville. And um, they're they're always saying, like, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to our podcast. You, you know, it's very important that you subscribe. Yeah. And so sometimes I come on yeah. our podcast and I say, yeah, people should subscribe. But I have to be honest. I don't know what it means. You don't? No. Does it mean the bills well, just keep piling up? Like when you used to get good housekeeping? No, this is not like those kids who come to your door selling you magazines. Um, it's not like there's hidden costs. It's I think that's why some people don't subscribe. But what subscribe means for podcasts is that it just it just automatically goes to your phone every week and sends you a little notice saying, Hey, this podcast is ready to listen to. That's it. Oh. Oh. Doesn't oh, that's cost nice. anything. Yeah, and and the reason that you tell people to subscribe is that, uh, you know, once they hit that subscribe button, they're just going to get our podcast every week. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Subscribe, you guys. Go ahead. Subscribe. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> is that is that our message? Okay. Yeah. Sub- yeah, they should, people should subscribe. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, you know what I think, of, when I think of subscribe, I do think of magazines, and when I think of magazines i think of um even though like i like to read mother jones magazine and i get it the actual magazine um but when i think of magazines i tend to think of the old good housekeeping magazine and Uh what i remember about it is that we used to in our family room when we were watching television um we didn't want to hurt the furniture and so we would take a good housekeeping magazine and put you know a glass on it so all of my mother's magazines eventually had these big circles all over them and i remember uh-huh. when when ally mcgraw had made um love story um which by the way my mother wouldn't let me see um she wouldn't let me see love story and she wouldn't let me see andromeda strain i think she thought they both had sex in them but um uh she probably didn't like al gore why? Well, love story is about Al Gore, isn't it? Is love story about Al Gore? <laughs> Where do you yeah. get that idea? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's about him. Well known fact. <laughs> no, it isn't. Where did you get that idea? I I don't know where I got that idea, but he was like one of the characters in it or something. It was kind of his story. I don't think so, Adam. But <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> no. No, it it's not about Al Gore. <laughs> Absolutely about Al Gore. All right, but here's the thing. So when Allie McGraw made uh, Love Story, she was on the cover. It was either Women's Day or Good Housekeeping. I can't remember anymore. But uh, she was wearing a, a crocheted snood, and 
uh, we kept putting the glasses on the magazine. And so she had these big circles on her face. And uh, then um, I met her many, many, many years later. And she was very nice, by the way. And I was so relieved uh-huh. to see that those circles had cleared up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I can, hard, hard to go through came, life. Came around to that with those yeah. big circles in your life, especially after she used to date Al Gore. Where the hell she were th- you in? Like the well, you must have been in like no, the no, I, first grade. And I, kids were saying I, like love stories about Al Gore. No, I, I thought I thought that it's something that we all knew and we'd all laugh about it. But what happened was back in the nineties. Uh, um, Al Gore basically said that Love Story was based on him and his experiences at Yale, and it. And then the author of Love Story denied that, but then it was kind of like it had something to, you know, that scene was definitely what he was writing about. It was a big thing. It was twenty years ago, but it was a big thing at the time. It was. It was in like uh, all the papers. I don't remember that. What paper was it in? Name one paper. You're making an argument right now, the way Trump makes arguments. Everybody read about it. You did. I did. Everyone knows about yeah. it. I will bet you anything that Land Romo, our Starburns producer, is right now Googling it and can back us up. Land? Uh, I, 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 I am. And I am, too. I never heard that ever, and I remember the magazine cover. Well, you Googlers, Google Love Story Al Gore. It'll pop up right away. It'll be in lots of respectable newspapers. You'll see. Well, in December 15th of 1997... The headline in L.A. Times is Gore apologizes for confusion over love story. <laughs> there you go. I think Adam's gone mental. Wow. No, that's exactly but, what no, I was it saying. Was a, it, <laughs> wow. it, it was, no, it was a thing. It was a thing. It turned out um, the, the confusion was that Blue Lagoon was about Al Gore. <laughs> I highly doubt that. Yeah, the, um, the uh, Brooke Shields movie. Was about Al yeah. Gore. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I'm telling you, that's... The headline in The Independent is, <laughs> Love Story Ends in Tears for Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, wow. It was a weird time. I guess. It was, but Imagine. it was in like every paper. Every paper covered it. Oh, every paper didn't cover it. Now you've gone too far. Name a, name a paper that existed in 1997, and Land Romo will find you a headline about Al Gore and Love Story. The paper he just mentioned wasn't even a, a, a well-known paper. What about... All right, Land, how about the New York Times? New York Times is the first, the second is LA Times, and the third is Chicago Tribune. There! It's in three. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's move on to another fact that I'm sure has not escaped uh, our listeners now, which is that um, Tony Anita Hall is out with uh, with a hamstring pull or something, right? Yeah. She's she's under the weather. She'll be back soon. Since we don't have Tony here and it's time to go around the horn, let's start instead of in Sherman Oaks in Highland Park, California. Land Romo, what's new with you? Yay, Land. All right, just to fill in the, the, the details of the Land Romo biopic, besides being our Starburns producer and an all-around great guy, Land was in our Thanksgiving pageant the other week, and he's also in the French Trump press conference every Friday as reporter Tony Romo. We just love Land. Yes. 
We just love Landon. Oh, he has been he's been with us since we uh, since we landed almost a year ago at uh, Starburns Audio. And uh, Land, you had you've had to sit and he- listen to us a lot. What can you tell us about your life right now? Um, my my life is kind of I mean locked up just like everybody else. But I get to uh, spend most of my days working, and that work is listening to really funny people be very funny all day. So. That is always a silver lining. It makes the day go much, much better. Oh, oh that. Oh, that is that is. Do um, Starburns has a lot of podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah, Starburns has a lot of podcasts. Yes, yeah. a lot of comedy podcasts. Mostly comedy podcasts. So yeah. it it's always fun. It's always fun. I can feel the competitive hairs on the back of my neck rising. No, no, no. we're one of those <laughs> podcasts, Paula. He he means us. No, I don't think yeah, he did. Yeah, definitely mean you. Uh, um. <laughs> oh, Paula, we Paula, we we spend so much time together. It's definitely you're definitely my number one. Oh, there. Thank, thank you, Land. Now, Land, you took some sort of trip today, though, didn't you? I did. I went uh, just outside of downtown Los Angeles to get COVID tested Woo! today, and it was kind of a it was kind of a nightmare. What? Um, I I just I get COVID tested just to kind of know where uh i'm at from time to time because i'm in a bubble kind of with my parents we don't live together but i don't see anybody other than them so um i just i just do it just to be sure i don't go to the market i don't do all those things so i'm pretty safe but i still want to know right so i went down today and usually the place that i go is a drive-through testing center which is really quick uh, re- it feels really safe and it's really easy. And today when I pulled up, it was a park and walk-up testing center, um, which I wasn't really that excited about. But it didn't seem like that many people were there. So I walked up and got my little test kit and asked, asked them, you know, do I go back to my car to do this? And they, they motioned that I would just go around this little corner and that's where my test would happen. And as I start as I start walking around this corner, I'm hearing all of these coughs. And the testing center around this corner were just lines of people coughing into the air so they could swab the inside of their mouth. Wait, it was crazy. Just, why do you have to cough to swab the inside of your mouth? I'm I, I guess to bring up the um like the uh, what do they call them that is that gets airborne. Oh, the droplets? Yeah, the droplets. The droplets. Oh. So everyone's standing in these lines facing the walls, just coughing into the air, ready to swab their mouth. That seems that seems completely wrong. Did it you felt do it? Very wrong. No. So I grabbed my little test kit and I said, Well, I'm gonna go do this in my car. And he said, We don't do that anymore. And I just kept walking, went to my car did my test and then, you know, dropped it off. They, there's like big trash bins that you kind of drop off your specimen in. So, I mean, they didn't know where I was doing it anyway, but I just was, Ooh, it was horrible. It was like, an, <laughs> it was, it was horrible. Wow. Well, you know why they stopped um, at that location? They stopped doing the drive ups because people were driving mm. through too fast and the swab mm. uh, was going all the way to the back of their throat and out through their spine. And uh, a yeah, lot of injuries. Like, yeah. yeah, a lot of injuries using that method. 
So they stopped. <laughs> but it's, it sounds like they're just mass distributing COVID at this point, though. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, that's definitely weird. Felt like a COVID a COVID factory is is really what it what I was thinking. <laughs> it just would... yeah, we... and, and there you know there were people in line just coughing their entire way through the line, and I just oh it was just <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> I'm a little traumatized by it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't doesn't sound good. (laughs) Well, if I didn't have it before. (laughs) Congratulations. All right. Well, uh, on that. Are you sure? uh, Wait, Land, are you sure that you went to a testing center and it wasn't a starter kit they gave you? A COVID starter kit? Yeah, you got to be it, Paul. You got to read the fine print, man. It's so. I got to read the fine print. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does the does the kid have like you know kid friendly letters saying uh, my first COVID <laughs> with the C backwards or something and a little yeah. engineer's cap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's turn our attention from Highland Park and go all the way up to the Simi Valley, where lurks Captain Crinkle, your manager, my friend, our producer, Bonnie Burns. How are you, Bonnie? Well, I'm really good, and I'd like to add, I found out a little information about Love Story, which... Um, Bonnie, were you Googling while we were talking? (laughs) Well, I might have been. Yeah. Yeah. So, love is never having to say you're sorry. Nobody brought that up. But is it... (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't really a great expression, I don't think. No, it isn't. (laughs) Um. Okay, so is the is the screenplay writer's name Siegel, right? Eric Siegel? Uh, he, I believe he wrote the novel. No, he in fact, what I read he was he wrote the screenplay first, and then they tried to pressure him into writing the novel. Oh, okay, cool. So, okay. yes, it was, Eric, it was definitely Eric Siegel. I think he spelled it E-R-E-R-I-C-H. S-C-G-A-L. No. You're full of correct information tonight. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? I was spelling Eric. Oh, Eric. <laughs> Shit, I thought I had a thing to, like, rake you about. This is like, okay, you know what, you guys? Someday when we have COVID oh under control, uh, when, when COVID is under control and people can meet in large groups again, I would like you guys to go into business, um, maybe working with corporations about how to listen to one another. Because the dynamic <laughs> between Bonnie Burns and Adam Felber is so priceless. I was spelling Eric. That's not how you spell we don't Siegel. Do. It is hard. It's hard to hear over the connection, but we yeah, don't know. My always point do that was well, that he spells, his, he spells his name with an H. Okay. Anyway, that's not my point. Siegel. You're right. Okay. Siegel. My point is this. No. <laughs> okay. My point is this. Um, (laughs) Here's the point. Okay, Al Gore was roommates with Tommy Lee Jones at Harvard. This is Eric Siegel's interview in the new with the New York Times, and this is what he said. He said that he based the preppy Harvard jockey player Oliver Barrett the fourth on. Tommy Lee Jones. The only party based on um, Al Gore was the character's controlling father and the feeling that his family was pressuring him 
to follow in his dad's footsteps. Okay, I read something. Kind of a big part of a character. (laughs) I read something that said that the Ali McGraw character was almost entirely based on Al Gore. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's even where the name came from. Yeah, exactly. And the haircut. It's spelled, by the way, he's he's spelling it with an H, so it's Hal Gore. (laughs) You know, that really tracks because in 1970, Al Gore was... uh, uh, got his head stuck in a coffee be- uh, can. Is that and true? He ended up with this big cir- and he ended up with this big circle on his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, t- he used to wear a snood to cover up the scars. I remember this. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I have this really great friend who... Um, Cher? Is it Cher? No, it's not Cher. Anyway... <laughs> You know, he, he, like I used to go to musicals with him and he'd hum the whole score and he wrote a book on the Kennedy weddings. And once he was like in London, I forget what restaurant, but a famous restaurant. And there was a Kennedy there. And then after he left, my friend, his name was Jay. I won't say his last name. He went over and he took the linen napkin that was on the table and he saved that. Okay. So we were at some political event and there, there was like a crowd and Al Gore was standing in front of us and Jay poked his butt with his index finger and then he said to me hmm spongy (laughs) (laughs) oh my god wow Uh, Bonnie I I don't know what it was you you had intended to say to us today but that beats it (laughs) <laughs> no, right, because I had a st- it does, because I had a story about my dogs, and I'm sitting here going, this really beats the story about the dogs. But Absolutely. Is, it too, is, it, is it too late for Hal Gore to sue for assault? That's terrible. <laughs> you don't, no one should poke uh, anyone's butt. That just, it doesn't matter who. I don't care if. I don't care if it's a vice oh. president. We don't do that. That's not good. Um, did you say that to your friend? Did you say, well, don't do that? No, you reminded me of the last part. Then how Gore turned around like really fast. I would think. What happened? And my friend Jay just stood there with like this little sort of look smiley on his face like beats me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know. Okay, back up to the part where you said he wrote a book about the Kennedy wedding, which, by the way, yeah. for all those Googlers out there, could pretty much give away who you're talking about. Oh, but, um, shit. Now I got to Google yay. that. <laughs> and but, see uh, my if question he is, up. <laughs> a, a book about the wedding? How, how stimulating yeah, could know. that possibly be? Even when he told me, I was thinking, really, there's an audience for that? But I think it had pictures with it. I'm sure it was a wonderful book. He's very talented. I've already Googled it. I see it. (laughs) (laughs) You're too busy. You're too busy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's not going to be very mysterious uh, for people Googling that because the book is, in fact, entitled Kennedy Weddings. (gasps) You found it already? Oh no, yeah. really? My, yes, I found it too. <laughs> Paula, um, take us away. Do you have a word? Oh my gosh, Do you have a vocabulary Adam. I, word? Um, all right, Adam, yes. I have a word. It's phi. Uh, F I E. 
It's an exclamation. It was used a long time ago to express disgust or outrage. Uh, but there yeah. is so much disgust and outrage now. I think we should bring it back. <laughs> Here, I'll use, I'll use it. Uh, and that, well, that's it in the sentence. Um, let's give it a home in our brains by giving it a home in my vocabulary song. Here we go. Uh, here it is. This week's word is fi. It's an exclamation used to express disgust or outrage. Fi. How can Donald Trump still be on the stage? <laughs> Last week's word was putanesca. It's a noun that means pasta sauce made with tomatoes, garlic, olives, anchovies, etc. Said to have been devised by prostitutes as one which could quickly be cooked between clients' visits. Quick, mate the sauce and get back to the toss. That's Putinesca. The week before that, the word was <laughs> perdurable. It's an adjective that means enduring, continuously, permanent. The cat's peed in the heating vent. Going back before that, the word was piety. It's a noun that means conventional belief that is accepted without thinking. Just keep your tiny blood of... Christ glasses clinking, and not long ago we had specious. It's an adjective that means seemingly reasonable or plausible, but actually wrong. I remember words because I put them in this song. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler, a medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do. Yeah. Yay. It's a gold hit. Fi. <laughs> Fi. <laughs> Fi, I say. Where is my napkin? <laughs> you know, Groucho Marx said, well... Art is art, isn't it? Still, on the other hand, water is water, and east is east, and west is west, and if you take cranberries and stew them like applesauce, they taste much more like prunes than rhubarb does. Now you tell me what you know. Coming up, we'll tell you what we know about cranberries on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort 
and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. <laughs> and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> <laughs> I, 
and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so, it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this day in unremarkable history, Mel Blanc's mother said, Don't you talk to me in that voice. <laughs> Thank you, house band Raymond Horton Paula. It's cranberry season. Yeah, it's cranberry season. It's very short, isn't it? it, it yeah. It's between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and every year I have all sorts of questions about cranberries. That's funny because I have a lot of questions about cranberries too, and I love cranberries. When we have a man on the phone who can answer all our cranberry inquiries, Leo and Andrea Kakunas operate the largest organic cranberry bog on Cape Cod. Leo and his wife have been running their farm for 20 years, and their cranberry bog tours educate visitors about the cranberry business. Please welcome Leo Kakunas. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sit down, everybody. Sit down. Relax. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys very much for having me. This is a lot of fun. I enjoy talking about the cranberry business. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you're here. Um, all right. So, Leo, one time in my home ec class when I was in uh, Ephraim Curtis Junior High in Sudbury, Massachusetts, um, for reasons that I've never been clear about, the teacher showed us a little movie 
about a cranberry bog, which I had never even heard that term before. And years later, I realized she was probably hungover because it wasn't connected to anything we had been talking about in class. Just one day, she showed a film about a cranberry bog. That's my only exposure to the business. So, Leo, (laughs) how do you grow cranberries? Well, it's interesting. A lot of people use the term, and we use the term in the industry, cranberry bog. But the actual surface of the cranberry bog itself is really not a peaty, wet surface. Mm -hmm. The cranberry bog, believe it or not, is not a wet environment. The cranberry vines themselves, uh, indigenously, they really grew on the banks of rivers, just far enough away from the water, from the running river or lake, so that their root system was dry, yet close enough so they could run runner roots out to the water to get their nutrients. And basically, this is how the commercial cranberry bogs are today. So the term bog is kind of, uh, it's not really a great explanation on how they grow. But the vines themselves, they like to root themselves in sand. And the bog is created with about two or three inches of sand on the top. Below that, you have about a foot of peat, which holds the water and the nutrients. And below that, you have a layer of clay. And the layer of clay really is uh, there to hold the water when we flood the bog. Because as you know, Paula, coming from this area, if you take a glass of water and you dump it in the sand, that water just dissipates. It goes right down to the ground. In Massachusetts, the soil is very sandy. So what we have to do is put clay down as a, a bowl, if you will, a basin, to actually hold the water itself. So you flood the place with water, and and then the water just kind of sinks in, and other than that, it doesn't look boggy at all, is what you're saying, right? Exactly. The grower itself now brings the controls, bringing the water on and off for specific uses. Well, how how then, Leo, do you explain um, the guys in the, I think, wasn't it the Ocean Spray commercial or some sort of spritzer drink or something that used to wear those big pants? In the in the water, and they were supposedly. Well, do you wear the that? big pants, Leo? Are you do you, do you have the we big pants? We absolutely, I absolutely wear the big pants. That's kind of a, <laughs> I, I when I when I do my tours here, I always use the term, which a lot of people use today, as we all know, fake news. When you're looking at that <laughs> video, and it's not all fake. Obviously, we do use water, and as I explained before, the bog itself has got that clay base. Sure. So when we bring water onto the bog, either pump it on or let it run in through a stream, we fill the bog up. However, it very rarely is deeper than maybe a foot deep. So those but, waders are really overkill. You know, I we could actually do it with, with knee-high boots. You don't need the but waders. But there is a time, a brief period of time, where it's a genuine bog. I mean, there's like a foot of water there. Uh, normally four times a year. Once okay. in the winter, we, we flood it to protect the bog from the cold so that the vines don't freeze. Mm-hmm. We flood the bog again in the spring if you're an organic grower to uh-huh. g- take away and kill the bugs and the weeds. And then we flood it again in harvest time uh, to move the berries from point A to point B when we're trying to collect the berries up for harvesting. And then every now and then a grower will do what's called a trash flood, which will flood the bog again to get the dead leaves and uh, any debris off the bog. 
help clean Wait, up t- the bog. Tell me how that works where you move the berries with the water. That is, Paula, that's the most uh, asked about scene here on the farm. And believe it or not, that is the most rarest scene to see. And the way I usually explain that to the people that take the tour is that here we actually have a seven-acre bog. It's seven acres. It's one big uh, cleared area of land. Now, in a water harvest situation, I would put the water on that bog on Monday morning. Tuesday, we run a machine around it, which has a big reel in the front. And as that reel turns, it brushes the cranberries off the vine. And then huh. Wednesday morning, my guys show up. All the berries are floating. We get out there with our waders on. We corral that beautiful uh, scene that you see on that commercial. We corral up all those uh, berries in a big circle. We get a berry pump now, and we put this big hose in there, and it just sucks those berries right out of the bog. So by Wednesday, maybe noon or 1 o'clock, that iconic sight of those cranberries floating is gone. Wow. So you're like a berry herder. You herd yeah, the berries. Exactly. Leo, did you see City Slickers? Yes, I did. With Billy Billy Crystal years ago, Love where they that go movie. they go in the dude ranch. Um, well, um, City Slickers Four is going to take place in a cranberry bog. Uh, yeah, well, uh, they're going to go get along, little berries. Yeah, that's right. No. Yeah, yeah, get up there, cranberry. Um, so, so you really could do the whole thing in a uh, in a wading pool. It sounds it sounds like you're actually in a kiddie pool with waders on. Um, well, a lot of people are very upset when they don't see the cranberries floating. So what I tell them to do is buy about four or five pounds of cranberries from us. And when they get home, fill their bathtub up with about four or five inches of water, dump the cranberries in it, and <laughs> have at it, baby. Have at it. <laughs> you, you'll let me know uh, which which of your visitors does that so that I can get in touch with them and ask for a loan. Um, you'll be surprised. All right, is it is it hard to make a profit growing cranberries? It's absolutely non-existent right now. Making a profit is the furthest thing of any cranberries grower's mind. In the last no. 10 years, the cranberry industry has gone down so quickly and so bad that majority now the small cranberry growers are going out of business daily. Oh, Why? That's it's terrible. Yes, it is. But if it's you're bad. not hoping to make at least some profit, then what would the goal be as a cranberry grower? Um, well, the ones that are in it still now, like myself, are here because they love the lifestyle. They love the um, uh, just being out, uh, being a farmer. And quite frankly, we're just holding on to get through the rest of our lives. But there is no... 25-year-olds knocking on my door to buy my 50 acres, believe me. The only people that want to buy my 50 acres are people who want to develop it into housing. There's no one, no young people looking to get into the cranberry business. Well, you know what? After this podcast drops, that could all change. Now that we're describing the glamour of it. um, Have them look me up. I'll be happy to to sell it to them. (laughs) And Uh, give them some advice. Oh, you would? Oh, absolutely. Um, is it a family business? How did you get into the business? Uh, no, I actually grew up on a farm, and I just loved it. And as I went through my career, I graduated college and uh, moved on and started a, uh, a business in the construction field, uh, the yearning to go back to farming was just real strong. And uh, 
looked into cranberry bogs uh, because I liked Cape Cod. I certainly loved this area. Um, and to purchase land here on Cape Cod, extremely expensive. I guess you mm-hmm. guys in California probably have known this for a long time too. But, uh, you know, to buy a, an acre of land on Cape Cod, you're looking at, you know, $250,000, $300,000 for an acre of land. So yeah. get into farming, forget about it. However, at the time, 20-plus years ago now, almost 25 years ago now, uh, cranberry bogs were um, um, attainable. You could buy them. Um, uh, and my wife and I decided to give it a shot, and here we are. Well, I still don't understand this idea that it doesn't profit you anyway. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's not a good well, business plan, Leo. It's not a good business plan, Paul, but you know what? No agriculture is a good business plan today. And again, I grew up in agriculture. I grew up in a pig business. And um, quite frankly, when big business got involved in raising pork, the small pork farmers went out of business. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact same thing that happens in anything to do surrounding agriculture. I don't know about California. Big cranberry is, is driving you out? Big cranberry? Absolutely. Uh, 10, 10, 12 years ago, I was getting commercially, I was getting, uh, well, let's, let's not talk about organic. Let's just talk conventional because that's the ones that have taken a big hit. Conventional cranberry growers were getting 80 cents to maybe a dollar a pound to sell their cranberries commercially now. Commercially, I'm talking about sending them to the juice makers. Right. And, um, Big business saw that and got into it and started purchasing large tracts of land uh, in Wisconsin and converting them to uh, upscale modern cranberry bogs. And quite frankly, their production was so great that the supply and demand, we're going to go back to your high school teacher, right. right? supply and demand affects everything. When the supply of cranberries just increased um, exponentially and the demand stayed flat, what happens? The price gets driven down. Right. So right now, just to give you a picture, here we are. Let's fast forward 12 years later. Uh, the average conventional cranberry grower right now is getting less than anywhere from eight cents to 12 to 15 cents a pound. Oh my God! And it has been calculated out that it's a cost about 30 cents a pound for a grower to actually grow them. Um, Leo, have you done any experiments uh, making a vaccine out of cranberries? Because that (laughs) would really bring in a lot of money. And the other thing is, I know Big Cranberry has been trying to promote um, urinary tract infections. uh, The the urinary tract thing is great. It has helped us out an awful lot. Uh, Not the disease, but the cure has helped us a lot. People who do drink a lot of the juice because of that, it's good for you. Uh, but, Paula, you say it in jest, but uh, we do have the cranberry industry does have a group of scientists working on all aspects of the cranberry to try to find some other medical benefit. In fact, we're even going to the point that we're looking at the leaves and what I referred to earlier in the interview is the trash that we float off the bog. Because, believe it or not, they're finding some kind of antibodies in those leaves. And we're wow. hoping that, you know, some kind of extract may come out of that, you know. Boy, but they've won't been doing you it for kick years. yourself? Won't you kick yourself for having uh, considered that trash all these years? It's like, it's <laughs> going to be it's going to be the same thing for me, Leo, when they find that cat urine um, is actually, uh, you know, fights the virus. Yeah, you I, I'm just going to feel Paula. like an idiot. Well, 
you know, I'm still a big one for novelty. You know, we sell more uh, metal muffins with cranberries in them now for wedding gifts and, uh, you know, birthday presents and stuff like that. People love them. So <laughs> that's fun. Nothing, stuff. Like, nothing like a metal muffin covered with fresh cranberries. There really is nothing like that. <laughs> now, uh, you know, when visiting uh, New England in 1663, John Jocelyn wrote about cranberries. The Indians and English use them much, boiling them with sugar for sauce to eat with their meat. And it is a delicious sauce. Stay tuned to find out more about that very American fruit. The Cat of the Week is Sketch from Barnett, Vermont. And we're back with Leo Kakunas. Leo, um, we started to touch on the history of the cranberry, and I, I, I you want to get to that? I, I would love to, um, because of the fact I'm proud that my cranberry bar is located in Howitch, Massachusetts, which is out on the arm of the Cape Cod. Everyone knows Cape Cod as being kind of the uh, shape like an arm. I'm right at the elbow, um, and that is actually. Howitch, Massachusetts, and the neighboring towns of Brewster and Dennis, because no one's really quite sure where the first commercial cranberry bog was uh, actually, which one it was. So if you're from Brewster, you'll hear people say it was Brewster. Dennis says it's them, but I'm from Howitch, so I say it's Howitch. <laughs> it's definitely it Howitch. It's uh, There you go. Uh, but I just want to clarify, you know, the Indians and the indigenous people here in the United States used cranberries for years, thousands of years. And the cranberries actually grow um, along the latitude all the way around the earth. You can get different varieties of cranberries. Uh, it, but the story goes, uh, it was early 1800s, around 1815, 1820, uh, there was a uh, devastating hurricane that happened in the Bahamas, and it wiped out the lime crop. And even back then, in the early 1800s, people knew that the cranberries had a great uh, medicinal antibody that helped fight scurvy. So right here in the town of Howitch, uh, Captain Hall, who was a ship captain, Fantastic. took wooden barrels, took wooden barrels, loaded them up with cranberries, and put them on his ships, and he went out to the ports in Boston and New York, and even down as far as the Bahamas, and he sold them. And he became the first commercial cranberry grower because they, they went off so great. He came back. He started developing the cranberry bogs here, uh, cultivating them, and making them an actual agri agricultural product. And the interesting wow. thing you should know is that even today, cranberry growers refer to their crop as how many barrels we have sold using because of the fact that's how they were originally sold by Captain Hall back in 1820. How many cranberries in a barrel? Well, because the government realized that some people's barrels are smaller than other people's barrels. Barrels aren't standardized. Is that right? They, they are because, now. Because they we don't now. have any decent coopers. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, the influx of the uh, bushel and the peck. You got to add a barrel to that now because you got a you got two bushels, a couple of pecks, and you got a barrel. A barrel is one hundred pounds. 
That's the standard weight. 100 pounds is a barrel of cranberries. And how many how many barrels do you produce during a typical harvest on your... Well, that's different for everyone. Again, we're organic, so our numbers run about mm, a half to sometimes a third. Uh, in bad years, a quarter of what a conventional grower will grow. But you can figure around 10,000 pounds an acre. So on this seven-acre bog or six-acre bog that you see here on the farm when you take the tour, you know, we can get 60,000 pounds of cranberries uh, on, a, on a really good year. An wow. average year, because we're organic, an average year, uh, about twenty-two to 28,000 pounds. So 100 barrels per acre? 100, pardon me, yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. we, we've got to come up with other ways that people can cook the cranberries. Like, have you thought of having them, like, you could put them on a stick and roast them over a fire? <laughs> Well, you know, there's the the influx of the uh, uh, dried cranberry has really helped the industry quite a bit. When I was talking earlier about the flatness of the demand for cranberries, you have to remember that, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, cranberries were only sold around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Fresh cranberries, mm-hmm. anyhow. That's then right. they, the, the juice market came in and people you know drink juice all year long. And as Paula mentioned earlier, because of the medical reasons. But now we've developed a sweet and dried cranberry. And um, it's really helped the market a lot, get rid of a lot of its supply. And now people can enjoy the cranberry all year long by putting it in their cereal or, or their oatmeal and things like that. So as a product, oh, I love it has those. helped the industry. Yeah. I have and, them on and, my... Uh, I have them on my spinach salad, and you know what? I don't even use dressing anymore um, because the just just having the dried cranberries, um, I, I don't know, is enough. Uh, well, you're going to enjoy ours. We're very we're very um, proud of ours. They are done a little bit different than uh, some of the ones that are packaged by those bigger cranberry companies that you mentioned earlier. Sure, I won't say who they are, but. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I've done a little different, and it's our biggest seller here on the farm. And all year long, we ship them all over the all over the world. Actually, when people come and they get hooked on them, um, you know, they say that blueberries uh, are are good for um, what is that word they use with blueberries that you eat them for some sort of nutrient antioxidants uh, antioxidants, um, and that that helps with memory. Um, can cranberries help with my memory? I have I I I forgot the question. What did you say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess not. I, then. I yeah, I guess not. I've heard that, but I, I the problem with cranberries is I I can eat them out of the barrel, if you will, when we're harvesting. I, I can just grab them and eating. But most people find them extremely bitter to eat too. They're not like a uh, a blueberry where you can eat them right off the vine. They do need to be processed, either be made into, like we talked about, drink or the sweet and dried cranberry does a does an excellent job of being able to just eat them by the handfuls. Yeah. How many people does it take to run your farm? Well, unfortunately, it could take a lot, but right now it's just my wife and I. Um, it is a very much a, um, like all agriculture, it has become uh, mechanized. So you have to have a lot of equipment. We equipment replace bodies and men. Uh, in the old days, 
you know, a lot of stuff was done by hand. Um, today we have machinery that do a lot. So, uh, uh, but right now I could definitely use some help. Uh, being an organic, weeds are a big problem here. Very, very difficult to find a real decent um, organic weed killer. So uh, we're doing a lot of clipping and cutting and pulling. And just, just, flood just, just, just flood the bog. Just flood the bog. We do, but we have to get okay. the water off to grow the cranberries, remember? They don't like That's growing right. in water. And then yeah. those weeds come right back. You know, I just want to – could I, I – I would like to just hit on this organic thing because I've said it a number of times. And, you know, right. Paul, it doesn't really matter if you're talking about organic cranberries or, or anything that's grown organically. But your listeners need to know that if they're going to spend the money, make sure that they get a certified organic product. Because if it doesn't have that stamp, it's basically just some guy scamming you. There's no such thing as grown organically or grown by fat and effie standards. Um, it's either certified organic or it's conventionally owned. And we do pay people do pay a little bit more money for a certified organic product, and they should make sure that they get that stamp and that seal. So if oh. the label says organic-y, that's not it. Not it. You're wasting your money. You're throwing it out the window. <laughs> Okay. Or organic like, uh. yeah, that's another one. <laughs> well, organic, or, organic, organic organically grown. Yeah, they can say they'll say organically grown, but it doesn't have a stamp on it. Well, if oh. it doesn't have a stamp on it, by whose standards is that organically grown? And right. uh, that's why you you need that USDA stamp. Yeah, by Bob's standards. Um, how, how did anybody ever figure out? Do you think how to grow cranberries? I mean, from the beginning. Well, I think, uh, Mr. Hall, uh, when you really go back and do some research on the history, you will find the majority of the stuff that Mr. Hall learned, uh, not only from the native people here at the time, but mm -hmm. then again, some people that moved here that just had the cranberries and liked cultivating them from themselves because they, they, they used them and they ate them. They just didn't sell them commercially. And mm -hmm. he watched what they did. Uh, there are some stories about uh, after a hurricane here on Cape Cod, uh, some sand was blown up on some of the uh, bogs uh, that bordered uh, the lakes and the rivers. And the year after that happened, they had a bumper crop. And all of a sudden, people realized that, you know what? If you apply sand to the cranberries, you will get a better crop. Wow. You know, and another interesting thing, too, I just want to add before I forget, too, because a lot of people ask this question. I'm trying to think of the questions that my people who take my tour ask. Um, the vines themselves that I have here on my property, they have been here and have been cultivated since 1890. The same wow. actual vines? Vi yes, the same vines. So all my job is is to go out there and to make sure that they are healthy, that they survive the winter, and I have to prune them and cut them so that they don't so I can harvest them. If I didn't prune them or cut them, they would get so intertwined that I wouldn't be able to harvest them. We have a very special variety called early blacks. And basically, early blacks can be traced back all the way to Mr. Hall uh, as one of the first commercial plants to be planted here and have direct links to some of the indigenous plants that grew along the riverbanks thousands of years ago so when the Indians were here. Um, I mentioned earlier about big business. Well, when big business gets involved, here comes big science. Now right. we, have, we have new plants that are being planted that grow a completely di different variety of, uh, of cranberry, which 
produces more per acre. And again, you know, this course. goes full circle, supply yeah. and demand again. Yes, yeah. the cran melon. They've made yeah. the cran melon. Well, you know, um, yeah, those are big. You get a lot of get a lot of fruit for that. It's called the Stevens, by the way, for the record. Those are, <laughs> oh, those are the cran melons. The Stevens cranberries cran cran oh. are the biggest ones. Yep. Was it Mr. Hall himself who got the idea to pour a little bit of vodka in there and call it a Cape Cod? Actually, uh, that was more out of the Bahamas area. And by the way, that's my favorite recipe for eating cranberries. Everybody wants to know what I like to do with them. And basically, I go back to old school and do what they did in the old days. I get a glass, about eight ounces, fill it up with rum, put a handful of cranberries in it, shake it around a little bit, throw the cranberries out, and down that rum, man. It's beautiful. Oh, sounds delicious. You know, kill scurvy and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that's certainly why you're doing it. That's um, right. <laughs> well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, Leo, it's, it's, thanks for serving up those Cranberry Insights. Um, we're now going to take the information you just gave us, and we're going to run it through the old Pounstonator. Paula? Hey, Raymond, this sounds so great. Thank you very much. If If I can get a little background music right now, I'll tell you what the Pounstonator spit out. And, and and thank you, Leo. I can't imagine a better spokesperson for independent cranberry farmers. I could hear the love of the work in every word you spoke. You you didn't even seem to notice that not being able to make a profit might be a downside to the business. <laughs> we've we've simply got to find more ways to exploit the cranberry. And you know, Leo said something that really got me thinking. He mentioned that his favorite use of cranberries was to partially fill a glass with rum, drop a handful of cranberries in, swish them around, and then dump out the cranberries and drink the rum. That's as close to a genius marketing idea as when Arm & Hammer told you to pour Arm & Hammer baking soda down the drain every few months. There has got to be a ton of ways to throw away cranberries. <laughs> After you cook your pinto beans, put a handful of cranberries in there and then take them out and throw them away. Heck, take it out of the kitchen altogether. In a steam room, Put some cranberries in the water that they douse the hot rocks with to make the steam. And then, of course, throw the cranberries away before you use the water. <laughs> before you move into a new place, put a cup full of cranberries on the living room floor overnight. And then throw them away. Before your kid fills out their college application, set a bowl of cranberries. Now, it needs to be full, kind of uh, uh, like a peak to it, um, set it near the computer for at least an hour, and then throw them out and Photoshop your kid's head on a pole vaulter. What, what if we could get our military industrial complex to replace bullets with cranberries as a part of the make juice, not war movement? <laughs> That's fantastic, Paula. He's a Cranberry Bog owner, and you can find his tours at cranberrybogtours.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Leo Kakunis. That was uh, so Leo, much that was fun, fantastic. man. Thank, you, Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate the time of getting the cranberry industry out there to the general public. And when you're down here on Cape Cod, give us a visit. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we, we, I will. I missed the place. When we can travel again. <laughs>
Coming up, show descriptions. Nobody's tried to describe this podcast in one sentence. Can it be done? And does that sentence include the phrase, God damn it, Bonnie? That's coming up right after this. Fun fact, the name hippopotamus is taken from the ancient Greek, meaning river horse, which sounds odd until you learn that horses in ancient Greece were, like, super fat. (laughs) We now join the weekly French Trump press conference in progress. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Don Robinson with In Vogue News. At your vaccine press conference, you talked about how we'll all be getting back to normal. Are you aware, sir, that people have lost their family members, children, and friends in this pandemic? How can a vaccine make their lives normal? When I begin my next term, I will be pushing our great pharmaceutical companies to come up with therapeutics that cure COVID-19, even in dead people. It will bring them back. It is a medical miracle only available through moi and God. God calls me Watson, you know. We are pulling out all these stops, cutting regulations so they can move very quickly and strongly. And Joe Biden will not do this, which is why I must have another term. It's called Operation Warped Head. Next question. Next question. Thank you, Mr. President. Tom Snell again, CNN. Sir, if I can go back to the Presidential Medal of Freedom ceremony. Here you are, losing and losing, and you actually had to read aloud this wrestler's biography. Sentences like, Dan never wanted to lose again. What was it like to give an award to a guy who can't stand losing when every time they do a voting recount, you lose again? I did not lose. I got more votes than any sitting president in history. I did not lose a one. Yes, but President-elect Biden got the most votes of anyone in a presidential election. Sir, I came in second. There, There is no second, sir. That would be like saying Germany came in second in World War II. Next question. Next question. Um, I just want to say... Do a little dance, make a, make little, a little love, get down mm. tonight. All right, I'll get down. Okay, we're back. Hey, uh, Paula, the nobodies have been emailing us stuff. Oh, they have? Oh, <laughs> they, yes, they have. They've, they've emailed us stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah, they've emailed us show descriptions of this podcast and... Um, uh, you know, the stuff that appears when you go to paulapoundstone.com, one of the best things that you see is a concise definition of our show written by some nobody or another. And they, they rotate in and through. And it's Paula's, it's your favorite part of the website, right? 
It's a great part of the website. Yeah, people have come up with these show descriptions and they rotate. So uh, one will be there for a few seconds and then it fades away and another one comes up. And uh, and the descriptions are so good. Um, yeah, the people have really yeah, so- been able to put it into words. And you know, Adam, um, I haven't been able to. My descriptions of our show have never... But like if I do a radio interview or something and they'll say, well, yeah. tell me about your podcast. I've never been able to do it. So I've been trying to practice. Um, for example, just to give the listeners the idea. Um, of how you summarize it to a show. Exactly. Of how you, uh-huh. it, it, they call it a log line. I don't know why they call it that, but, but here's an example. So here's my show description of Breaking Bad. Uh, okay. The ongoing story of a boy who ages several years within one year and his school teacher father who is poorly paid. <laughs> That's good. Um, you know, uh, we went ahead and assigned this to uh, to everybody on the show, Paula, just so that so that our listeners could hear what a show description sounds like. So I've got one. Do uh, you want to hear it? Yes, please. Sure. Mental illness is a serious problem. But it's a lot more fun when you can laugh at the people who have a couple of loose screws and their harried psychiatrist. It's the Bob Newhart Show. (laughs) Very well done. Yeah. Concise show description, you see? Yeah. Yeah, it's very well done. Mr. Mr. Carlin (laughs) is looking down on us. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right, uh, let's throw that open. Bonnie Burns up up in in the valley there. Do you have a show description? Oh, I was thinking Land should go next because... Because you haven't written yours yet and you're going to be Googling stuff? I'm not sure my I got this right. I wasn't at the meeting yet. But okay, here's mine. Okay. Elite athletes, elite athletes get the shit kicked out of one another while making millions of dollars and providing entertainment. Is that, Is that like NFL Monday, football? Monday Night Football? Yeah. All right! <laughs> Bonnie, that's exactly the task. You did yeah, it exactly right. That was very right. good. Yeah, that, as you I sit here, I can't believe it. Um, you didn't. You didn't say the title of the show, but uh, you. You. No, you got that the, ball all the way to the one yard line. So congratulations. The point is, Adam. She didn't have to say the name of the show. It really, it, Bonnie. You have a gift for this. You really. Yeah. In very few words. Uh, I knew exactly what it what it was. That was really good. All right, yeah, Land. There you I f- go. I feel bad that you're up against such, uh, sh- you know, stiff competition here. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah Land. You're subbing in for Tony Anita Hull. Give us a show description. All right. Okay. My show description is: an enthusiastic teenage girl lives with her widower father and frolics in the California sun. Gidget. Huh. No. That's Gidget. Gidget. Oh, is it Gidget? Oh, I got it. Gidget. Bonnie got wow. it. Wow. You got it, Bonnie. Yeah, but that's because... You do have a no, gift. That's Bonnie's answer to everything, <laughs> is Gidget. I was going to go with Veronica Mars, but it's not a lot of frolicking. I don't think it's California. <laughs> she she used to... Um, when Bonnie and I first started working together, she used Gidget as like a reference point for everything. She'd say, you know, on stage it would be better if you were more like Gidget. And... Wow. I just... <laughs> Yeah, it was apparently something she's fascinated with, and so everything. That's a tough was, note. That's yeah, a tough get, note. Bonnie yeah. has given me that note, Paula, and imagine how it strikes me. Yeah, yeah, Adam, could you do that again, but a little more like Gidget? Yeah. Yeah. I finally had to just turn to her one day, and this is a long time ago. So I just turned to her one day and I said, "Fie, Gidget." 
<laughs> Fie on you. Fie on the big gidget. Yeah, it was a, it was a long Get time ago. Get into a funnery. Okay. <laughs> See, because Gidget has fun. Um, you know, here comes something crazy, people. So we'd scheduled this uh, show description segment. <laughs> And then, wouldn't you know that Tony Anita Hull got struck with, uh, she got struck ill. I don't think it's with the COVIDs, but she's not feeling well. Um, so, But you know what? She's going to be better soon because I recommended to her that she fill like a, a hot mug, like just take it out of the dishwasher and, <laughs> and fill it with cranberries and put it beside her bed. And right. then just before she had to throw up, throw the cranberries away. That was what I... That's a good prescription. Let's see if it works. Yeah. Hopefully, she'll be so back she next should week. Be, she should be back in the saddle. I'd say by two. I'm going to be asking her to do things, certainly by tomorrow. Certainly. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, Paula, we have a problem tonight, which is that Bonnie Burns has agreed to step up and read us the show descriptions, you know, to provide the fodder, as it were, that Tony Anita Hall generally does. So um, without well, further ado and, and, and a sense of impending it. doom, what's that? I th- no, I think she's going to surprise you, Adam. I think Bonnie's going to have a flair for it. The way she was able to uh, boil down the essence of the, the, the Monday Night Football and the way she knew Gidget right away when Land gave his description. Yeah, but, very impressive. but Paula, when, when we asked her to do this, she said, oh, my God, I don't see very well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I haven't been able to pick up my new glasses prescription. Yeah. So you guys are going to have to just make the best of it. Okay, yeah. here we go. Bonnie Burns, uh, read us some show descriptions from listeners. Tell us who is get leaving it first and then read the show description. Oh, say who the person is first? Yeah, that's no, a good Tony idea. Tony never does that. That's yeah, exactly no. how Tony does it. Do you listen yeah. to our show? No, I do. She goes, okay, here's the first one. It's from Brad Bohannon. Good. A show where the... <laughs> A show where the host stays on topic about as often as Captain Crinkle has something meaningful to offer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Maybe that wasn't the right one to have Bonnie Captain Crinkle Burns read. That's amazing. Uh. How was my delivery? It was really good. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? I think Brad Bohannon is going to have to eat some crow after the way you yeah. read that uh, and what the meaningful things that you've had to offer here. Highly significant things you've offered. Yeah. Right. And Paula, you've been pretty on topic. I, 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 there's no question. I, I uh, uh, You know why? Because I'm trying to do it more Gidget-like. Oh, yeah. That's a good note. It's a good note. <laughs> Whoever gave you that note has it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. This one, Gidget, is from Finn from Utah. To quote the literary genius Douglas Adams, it's like having your brain smashed out by a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know Douglas Adams had ever said that, Finn from Utah, but there is uh, your brain smashed out by a slice of lemon wrapped Around a large Around gold a large... brick. Whoa. I, 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 yeah. be, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, that's from one of the Hitchhiker's Guide's books, and it, and it's about, it talks about an incredibly potent um, space liquor. But I love that description, Finn. It's a great description. Now, um, 
Al Gore. This the description was based on Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's funny here is that I was right about the Al Gore thing. It was a sly no, you reference. Were, yeah. yeah, well, you kind of, you, I have to admit, you were right about the Al Gore thing. It sounded ridiculous. I mean, apparently it sounded ridiculous when Al Gore said it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Eric Siegel was like, no. Do you mean Eric Siegel with an H, Eric Siegel? No, the H is his first name. He For some reason, he spells it E-R-I-C-H, like E-Rich. Er- Eric, Herrick. Herrick Siegel? That's silly. No, um, no, no. It's E-Rich. Like, he's rich. E-Rich is. Oh. right in that movie. He's E-Rich. All right, Bonnie, what else you got? <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. This is from Jay Coder. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is like a mystery meat sandwich. Skeptical at first glance, but once you take a bite, you realize it's worth another taste. That's fantastic. Thank you, That's Jay. That's really good. And, that is and good. Jay, yeah. I think it was inappropriate of you to poke Al Gore's butt, but this description <laughs> really gets you off the hook. <laughs> different, possibly a different Jay, Paula, but we don't, we don't know that for a fact. There's only one Jay to me. Jay, we loved your book about royal weddings. It was really, <laughs> I mean, Kennedy weddings. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was just about the Kennedy wedding. <laughs> Uh, and then um, and then he said, I do. And then they kissed. It was fascinating. Um, all right, Bonnie, give us the next one. <laughs> You're doing okay. great. Okay. This next one is from Lori, no last name. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is a hilarious competition where three intelligent, funny, and accomplished women, Paula Poundstone, Bonnie Burns, and Tony Anita Hall, team up against their capable male colleague, Adam Felber who for unknown reasons returns to co-host every show. (laughs) (laughs) The women taunt him until he cries out, God damn it, Bonnie, which ends the game. So far, the women remain undefeated. Tune in each week to see if this is the time Adam doesn't lose his shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that one. Boy, oh, Lori, that was by a woman named Lori, uh, and she really distilled down the essence of the show. It really is. Um, yeah, that was and beautiful, that, Lori. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was really good. I am. You guys are undefeated in that. I will always get to the goddamn it Bonnie part. Although not tonight, because Bonnie is crushing it tonight. Can we Can we say that? I think um, we've just cruised through the show. Yeah, Bonnie, absolutely, and you're doing so well, Bonnie. Who who is the Bonnie? Is Amy Klobuchar available to read this uh, this show description? Oh, oh, for the next Uh-oh. one? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. We haven't heard from Amy for a while. Yeah, go ahead, Senator. Okay, thank you very much, Adam Felber. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. It's like an adult gas Frida. You're not sure you like it while it is happening, but you feel so much better afterward. And this is from Anna from Portland, Oregon. (laughs) Oh, my God. Bonnie, you are... You're a genius. Uh, That was fantastic. Uh, (laughs) Anna from Portland, Oregon. that That was superb. And I hadn't read it. Uh, I, I was just waiting to hear it from Amy Klobuchar. And I got to say, 
Anna, you should have Amy Klobuchar read your work because the combination of the two yeah. of you. Of your oh words and Amy Klobuchar's voice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not only are those great show descriptions, I'm sure one or two of them might show up on our website. We want to thank all of you. Paula, will they be getting hotel soaps? Uh, oh, I think they should. These are you spectacular. You want to choose one that absolutely receives a hotel soap? There's a lot of course, of I, haven't, I haven't stayed in a hotel in quite a while now, but maybe right. I can just scrape off some little bits of the soap I've been using in my bathroom and send it out. Okay. and uh because that might not be the the, uh gift you want let's move forward bonnie bonnie burns everybody though can we give it up for her she nailed that yeah that was yay bonnie all right now paula moving on what's going on in the poundstone product empire this week well adam i have been avoiding loneliness this holiday season by making video messages for people. You can order one at cameo.com slash Paula P33. I deliver messages of Merry Christmas, congratulations, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Birthday, I told you so, and what the fuck? That's (laughs) cameo.com slash Paula P33. Our listeners can go to paulapoundstone.com for gifts and much-needed distractions. I would tell you more, but... Heidi! <laughs> you know, you're right. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Heidi, I promise I'll make this brief. You know, as the football season he- heads into the playoffs, what better way to enjoy it than with the watching the game on the networks and listening to it with the Starburn Sports simulcast featuring me and Jeff Cesario? Uh, we can't give you the schedule right now. Just go to starburnsports.com or follow my Twitter feed at Adam Felber to find out when you can watch the game and hear the live comedy. Adam! What? Adam, answer the phone! Answer the phone? Yeah, answer the phone, Adam. Paula, we almost made it through this. Okay. Hello? Hello, Adam? Am I the 100th caller? (laughs) No, Winnie, you're uh, actually, God help us, you're the 99th caller. Winnie, are you there? Winnie, Winnie, you sound like you're hyperventilating. I think I might be, Adam. I'm so close to winning the 100th caller contest and getting to hang out with you after the game. I have to put my head between my knees and getting any appliance I want from Roger Federer's appliance shop. Yeah, big big doings, Winnie. Big doings. Try to breathe. I'm also calling Adam to thank you for sending the brand new crock pot to my mother. She was so what? happy. It really took you off her shit list, Adam. You were really <laughs> on her shit list, Adam. She used okay. to call you Adam Felburp. It broke my heart. <laughs> wow, that's but, mean. But when the brand new Sunbeam crock pot came, you worked your way right back into her heart temporarily. The way you were in mine. Wait, what do you mean temporarily? Well, well, haven't you been watching the news, Adam? Sunbeam crockpots have been bursting into flames. It burnt oh. her wig. The crockpot burnt her wig. She thinks you <laughs> did it on purpose, and now she calls you cocksucker, Adam Felburp. She's what? very upset. <laughs> 
come to get me to hang out after the game? Disguise your voice, Adam. My mother says if she ever sees you, she'll crack your skull with the exploding crockpot you sent her. Of course, I, I didn't know, Winnie. I gotta, I just I gotta that... go. I gotta go. She's coming. I can smell her burnt wig. <laughs> and with that, that's Winnie Feynman, everybody. Um, wow. The 99th you try to do... caller. Oh, my God. Winnie Feynman is the 99th caller. Yeah. She sounded... I. She is really on edge, I think. Uh, my <laughs> God. You can feel how much she wants to hang out with you after the game, Adam. Yeah, you can, and you can be a little scared of that too. Um, well, you wow. know, you you and Jeff Cesario, you know, doing the play by play, the comedy play by play for the football games is kind of rubbing it in Wendy Feynman's face, you know. What do you mean? Oh, because of the game? Yeah, she wants to hang out with you after the game, and you used to say there was no game, and it turns out you were watching games. Uh, well, now I'm watching games. Before that, I wasn't watching games. Winnie, if you're what? listening, this is a new thing. That thing. And sorry about the crockpot. Hey, everybody, you can subscribe to our podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and hit the subscribe button. You don't end up with a Boy Scout at your door, I promise. Now, uh, if you want to send us some email, enter the theme song contest, whatever, send everything to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com, and that's our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly. Adam Lefelber. Special thanks to our guest, Leo Kakunas, and thanks to our house band, Raymond Horton. You were great, Raymond. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by new Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, Starland Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Uh, wow. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I've never heard Winnie Feynman that wound up before, Adam. She's really... Yeah, I don't, I didn't even remember sending her the crockpot, but I guess I might have. I sent a lot of people presents and... Uh... Very nice of you. Very, very yeah. nice. Why would you send one that explodes, though? Why does her mother wear a wig? Uh, maybe she has thinning hair. Uh, maybe okay. she likes to have different um, looks on different days okay. without. Just you know. asking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that could be one reason. I certainly didn't know about the sunbeam thing. Oh, sunbeam crockpots? Yeah, they've been bursting into flames recently. Yeah. You sure you didn't know? What do you mean? Of course I didn't know. I mean, huh. would I send her one if I knew? Huh. Boy. Paula. <laughs> Star Bands Audio. A, podca- <clears throat> A podcast network.